Our Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 to 14. And this is the basis for the message today. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel, that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, Surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths? Like a horse in the desert, they did not stumble. Like livestock that go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So, you lead your people to make for yourself a glorious name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
epistle reading comes from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, where the word of God assures us that we are made God's children through Christ. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through Christ, through God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand to honor the work and words of our Lord in the gospel. The Gospel writer Matthew records for us Joseph's need to escape to Egypt because of Herod's murderous rage. And then we hear of Joseph and Mary returning home with the boy Jesus to Nazareth, the Lord guiding their way. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when the wise men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth. So that what was spoken by the prophets would be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is the Old Testament text from Isaiah 63 that Pastor Sam read for us just a few moments ago. Well, if you are anything like me, you didn't stay up to watch the ball drop last night in Times Square. You didn't imbibe, and you went to bed with the expectation that this day would come. And here we are, another New Year's Day. Welcome to 2023. Happy New Year. You know, one of our culture's practices at the turn of a new year is to pause and remember what has taken place in the past year. Now, I am not going to take time this morning to recount all of last year and all of mankind's actions across the globe because that is not the point of our lesson today. What is the point of our lesson today is that God, despite our best efforts, continues to be faithful to his people. It is God who remembers his love for us. So that we can forget our sin and remember our love for him. So today we are going to pause. And we are going to remember a few things. For the goal here is to help you take heart. And to see that God is at work. So let's start right where we are. Today is the conclusion to this sermon series entitled, Home is Where the Heart Is. And during the sermon series, we have been examining and exploring Isaiah's amazing spirit-driven visions. And as you might remember, Pastor Arp saying, these biblical visions come to us from the future, longing to shape our present moment in time. So thus far in our sermon series, we remember from Isaiah chapter 2 that we were called to walk in the light of the Lord. In week 2, we looked at Isaiah chapter 11, where we remember that we were reminded that the promise of a Savior would come is actually going to come from that seemingly dead stump of Jesse. In week three, we looked at Isaiah chapter 35, where we remembered and discussed the meaning of this holy highway, which is to be prepared for the ransomed of the Lord. It's a highway meant for you. In week four, we looked at Isaiah chapter seven, and we listened as King Ahaz was commanded to ask for a sign. And when he refused, the Lord himself said he would give a sign. A virgin will conceive and bear a son whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. The one who brings both judgment and forgiveness. In week five, we looked at Isaiah chapter nine and we wondered at the promise Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. His name, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince 
of peace. Last week we looked at Isaiah 62. And remember, we heard that salvation comes and we, we receive a new fourfold name, the holy people, a ransom to the Lord, sought after in a city not forsaken. That's you. Are you starting to take heart? Are you starting to see God at work? Did you hear our gospel lesson today? As the gospel writer remembers three prophecies of old that have now been fulfilled in Jesus' life, his living, his dwelling among us. In our text today in the Old Testament here, the Israelites recall God's steadfast love. Indeed, that first verse is framed in God's steadfast love. They recall to their collective memory what God has done for them. But memories come with feelings. What do feelings do for us? Well, they intensify the memory, and sometimes this is a very good thing. And sometimes it just brings tears. This week, a six-year-old recently noticed that memories evoke feelings and asked, how does our brain create feelings? <laughs> Whew. <laughs> well, that's a great question. <laughs> I have given this a lot of thought, and I found that I really have no answer to that exact question. Which goes to show that sometimes even a six-year-old can stump you. But since this question was actually asked within this context of remembering, I do have this observation. Many of the tender mercies of our Lord have to do with our memories. I have listened to many stories of the past, and it is amazing. Memories include information regarding how something made us feel. So I posit that in an effort to help us remember everything about a memory, our, our brain just replays the feelings along with the recall of the memory to help us experience that memory again in all of its truth and all of its glory. Maybe that six-year-old will have a better answer someday. <laughs> But in our first verse of our lesson today, the steadfast love of the Lord is highlighted. Israel is called to recount the abundance of God's love toward them according to his compassion and the abundance of his steadfast love. You know, Scripture is replete with references to remembering the steadfast love of the Lord. And as it does, 
It highlights all of the components of God's steadfast love. The first of which is that his love is displayed in action. When God is in, he is completely in. How else would anyone ever explain the sacrifice of his son on a cross for the sins of the world? That doesn't happen without God being all in. The second is that God's steadfast love is bountiful. It is beneficent. It is abundant. God's love is on display in our text today. Despite making Israel his very family, they betray the Lord. They chase after other gods. And still, despite the discipline of exile, God is intent on remaining faithful to his promises. His promises to send a Savior, and he maintains that remnant in exile through which that Savior will come. Israel deserves only destruction, but the Lord delivers mercy in his steadfast love. Thirdly, God's steadfast love is true love. It is emotional. It is passionate. It is personal. He speaks in words reserved for family, calling Israel my people. The rebellion against our Lord by his people is personal. It grieves him deeply. In short, God's steadfast love is never-ending. It is always engaged. It is real, and it is perfect love. It is the love that we all yearn for. But we never really experience with each other. Yet it is a love that we do have now in our Savior, and it is a love that we will experience at his coming. Now even as we look forward to a new year to come, we have so much to look forward to in eternity. And that is why we remember. Now this recounting in our text is actually more than remembering. It is a reenactment. It is reliving the great moments of God's story that brings Israel life. See how it progresses. In verse 8, the Lord pauses as he remembers that Israel is his family. In verse 9, a love which delights in the companionship of the loved one described in their affliction, he is afflicted. And scripture says, in his pity, he redeemed them. What a strong word that is. Pity. As human beings, we innately understand that we are all under that same sentence of death. And even though we understand the sentence for our sin, we typically reject pity. Our pride gets the best of us and sees pity as something to be shunned rather 
than embraced. Something for which we should be truly thankful. But thankfully, God is above all. He can rightly have pity on us. And it is His pity that brings mercy that proceeds from His steadfast love for you. But as it goes on, God's family, Israel, rebelled. Rebellion inside a family is betrayal. Now see the sequence here. Their rebellion brought a turning. God fought against them. Into exile they go. Then the Lord remembered the days of old. He remembered how he brought them up out of the sea, how he put shepherds at the head of his flock. His glorious arm, literally his beautiful arm, completed the work of salvation for his people. But why? Why did God stop and remember? Was it to recall his emotions? How his prior work made him feel? Or was it to recount his saving work according to his promises that he might not forsake his people, his family? I look at you and I say family today because our epistle lesson today speaks of us as becoming family and heirs because of Christ. Indeed, the very children of God. For Old Testament Israel, God's saving action was the exodus from slavery in Egypt parting of the Red Sea and God's continuing promise to send a Savior. That Savior is Jesus. For us today, it is the one who came down from heaven to be incarnate with us. He dwelt among us. He felt our sorrows. He was stricken, smitten, and afflicted for us. He lived savingly among us. He became our kinsman redeemer. The one who pays the price to buy us back so we can be part of the family again. And by bearing our burden of sin and carrying it to the cross, God demonstrates to us that he is faithful. Even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, he will never give up on us. Indeed, he has never given up on us. Now the Apostle Paul tells us that his faithfulness continues with his promise that he is coming again, to which, in order to keep in front of us, he gives us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee. You have the very guarantee of God. Remember. In Isaiah's day, the reality of life in Jerusalem was anything but glorious, joyful, or a triumphant existence. 
Sin still clogged all of their relationships and death remained the victor over every human effort. Even as we remember, it seems like things really haven't changed all that much. Overall, America is still doing well, but sin still clogs all of our relationships and death remains. You know, this section of Isaiah is a prayer that remembers. This remembering actually fits the life of every believer. For even though God's promises lie in the future, they are true. We have real hope. Throughout the centuries, the church, God's people, have always turned to God in prayer. Especially in the midst of trouble. And it is this prayer that we now breathe today with all the saints, even as we listen to the text. It is important that we pause and remember our Lord's steadfast love. Think of it as a moment to pause and reflect on what we have received in the coming of His Son, Jesus Christ. And as we do so, look for and expect his peace, for it comes. As we see again that the Lord is faithful and true, what he says he will do, he will do. Which means that today, no matter what we face coming into this new year, we actually take pause and we remember and look back at what is. We face the challenge of each day and event with the knowledge that we have a God who is faithful to his promises. And even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, he comes. He comes now and gives us a promise of forgiveness. Forgiveness for our sins and life everlasting. His spirit given as a guarantee. We have a Lord that remembers perfectly. He remembers his servants, the ones that he has chosen. And he continues to sustain us in the faith toward him and in fervent love toward one another through the hearing of his holy word and the partaking of his sacraments so that we might be comforted in knowing that the Lord shares in our distress and pain. He is not distant. He is not detached or remote from any of his people. He is here. He is afflicted with us. So much so that he redeemed us by the blood of his own dear son who delivered us from sin, death, and hell itself. So if you remember anything, remember this. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. He will always remember you and be faithful forever. So let us enter this new year now remembering both sorrow and thankfulness. 
those whom we might have lost and expect to see them again at the resurrection of the dead. I know that we all have our own hopes and dreams and expectations of the coming year. They are many, they are varied. But as varied as they might be, this year is going to be filled with both joy and sorrow because every year is. But despite that reality, our expectations remain the same. They will not be moved because we have a Lord and Savior that will not be moved. No matter what the coming year brings, we get to go to bed every night with the same expectation that Jesus will come again. The same expectation that his day will come. He has promised. And this gives us reason and purpose to love and forgive with abandon. To live lives that are devoted to sharing Jesus with all that we meet. So let us remember. Let us retrace the steps of our own lives at the beginning of this year. Taking time to see how the Lord has carried us all along. And let the emotions that come with remembrance flow. Let your prayers flow from the faith, grace, and mercy of God's steadfast love for you. After all, God remembers his love for us so that we can forget our sin and remember our love for him. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.